Hello everyone, you are listening to the Maitri podcast between friends conversations with Maitri. This is your host Nandini Ray with my production team member Daman Tiwana welcoming you all to this meaningful discussion. April is Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month. And each year during the month of April, community-based organizations, rape crisis centers, government agencies, businesses, school campuses, and individuals plan events and activities to highlight sexual violence as a public health crisis, a social justice issue, and human rights violation. Today, we are doing this show to commemorate Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month. Sexual violence and abuse is a serious societal problem and we can discuss this topic from various angles such as sexual harassment, rape culture, sexual abuse and violence perpetrated by strangers, co-workers, friends, family members and intimate partners. But we cannot discuss all the aspects in one episode so we have decided that today we will mostly focus on sexual violence and abuse in intimate partner relationships. In our work, we have seen sexual violence and abuse in an intimate partner relationship is not an isolated incident and it often occurs alongside other forms of abusive behavior, including physical and emotional abuse. And if we really want to prevent this abuse, this behavior, then The first step is we must make this issue a topic for community discussion. We must not shy away. And that's exactly what we are going to do today. To discuss this very important community issue, we have invited Sara Khan. Sara is the Director of Programs at the Asian Pacific Institute on Gender-Based Violence. She oversees the coordination and administration of all aspects of government, public, and privately funded APIGBV programs. She also manages and supervises all programmatic areas of technical assistance and training, and designs and evaluates programs and processes. She acts as a subject matter expert on various training and research topics. Sara has been working almost 20 years in the advocacy field in ending gender-based violence and domestic violence. Sara, I want to add here that you are an inspiration for many of us in this advocacy field, and I have learned a lot from you. So it's an honor for me to have you on this show. Welcome, welcome to this show. Hi, Nandini. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak today. And I want to say it's my honor to be here, showcased here on the Maitri podcast, because Maitri has been my first family here in the Bay Area. And uh, as you said, April is such an important month. All months are important. And like Maitri uh, has been doing this job forever, it's not things that happen once in a while, right? I mean, these things keep happening throughout, and but it's always important to focus and take a nuanced look at something. So thank you for inviting me. Sexual violence and abuse is, you know, we all know we work with survivors and it's traumatic experience for all victims, but it is always an underreported crime. Yes, recently we are seeing many survivors are coming forward with their accounts of sexual assault and harassment, and we are seeing Me Too movement, but still sexual violence is much underreported. And especially when this is happening within an, an intimate partner relationship. 
and both of us are South Asian here. And Sarah, we know that sex and sexuality is a taboo topic in our community. And in most South Asian families, we don't educate our children about what is toxic relationship versus what is a healthy sexual relationships. And schools in most South Asian countries are not that equipped in providing sex education. At least I can talk about India. I I came from India and in my family, um, it was not an open discussion and I, the school I went to, I didn't have any sex education. I think we have very limited knowledge in this subject and it is not easy to identify whether a sexual encounter in an intimate partner relationship is abuse or not. So Sarah, my question to you is, how can one identify whether a sexual encounter uh, in an intimate partner relationship is an abuse. You raised up so many important points. So I'll start by saying, uh, yes, you and I identify as cisgendered women and uh, we both are immigrants to this country. So that that is one aspect. And then the second part, again, you spoke about is around sexual violence and the fact that it is highly underreported. And then whatever does get reported, oftentimes based on media, based on what learnings, based on what empowerment and or defense we have is usually stranger danger, right? That someone who is going to come, someone, someone we don't know is the one who's going to abuse us. The reality, though, is that the majority of sexual violence happen between two people who know each other. And oftentimes it isn't. An intimate relationship, it could be with someone you're in love with. Again, I identify as a cisgendered woman. I know we at Maitri right now have been getting calls mostly from women. But when we talk about sexual violence, I'm going to speak across the gender spectrum. So it is between two people, wherever they fall on the gender scale. And then one more reason why it is important is that, yes, you and I are immigrants. A lot of people that we know are immigrants, but we are also raising kids here. And then the reality is that if there is one in four or one in six people, you know, person are going to get assaulted here in the United States, the the chances are it's someone we know. So it is very important. It's imperative for us to think about what it is that we are going to hand out to our kids. What lessons? Is it the same lessons that we learned or are there going to be different lessons? So when we're talking about sexual violence in an intimate relationship, it can be as clear as a forcible sexual assault in which you say no and someone and fight back and someone and your partner says no nothing doing it's my right sex in itself and sexuality in itself for it to be healthy it has to be an enjoyable time had by both partners and there is no one size fit all for all right i mean people have sex in very different ways what is comfortable for one may not be comfortable for another The key word here is consent. If your partner does something like has sex with you when you're not interested and okay, you're in a bad mood or you're like, no, not now or whatever, but it is a need that is fulfilled by, you know, but it is a need sometimes that you have sex with your partner just so that they feel comfortable. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about consent, the gut feeling when your partner is pressuring you into certain sex acts that make you really uncomfortable. 
that discomfort should not be there in an intimate relationship, should definitely not be there during sex. There can also be something as sly as tampering with your contraceptive or can also do anything like maybe they can lie and withhold information about their sexual partners and or the fact that they may have disease or they may want you to watch some porn, which a lot of people do watch together and it's a source of enjoyment. What I'm trying to get at is like when it makes you uncomfortable, then that is a form of an abuse because it doesn't just play with you physically, it plays with you mentally, emotionally, and you may not feel safe in that relationship. What I'm hearing that people, if they are not comfortable, they feel pressured, then they should know that it is not normal, it is abuse. As you said, uh, one size may not fit for all. I mean, some people, uh, whatever comfortable for person A may not be comfortable for person B. So it is most important to have consent. And, uh, you know, that's a very uh, helpful information. But sexual violence or abuse, when it is happening within an intimate partner relationship, it is very hard to prove that it's an abuse, no matter how traumatizing that experience is. Uh, there can be a lot of ambiguities and misconception. In all patriarchal culture, so women get messages directly or indirectly from society or family that family reputation is depending on women's sexual uh, behavior. They have responsibility to, at least South Asian culture, we, we are told that you have responsibility to procreate. Or sometimes even some women, they get a message that they have to keep their male partners happy. At the same time, they're also getting a message that sex is a private thing and very private thing. And we women shouldn't be discussing anything about it, uh, even if we feel uncomfortable. So it is very much possible that uh, someone can get confused uh, uh, when they are abused by their partner, whether they can talk about it, whether they can report it. But say someone is ready to report, someone decides that, yes, I will report it then what steps should a victim take to report the abuse? Uh, well, first of all, no one needs to process this alone. And no way am I advocating for someone to report or not report. If you think you have experienced sexual violence, just know that you don't have to process and face it alone. That is the big piece of it. There are resources out there. And contrary to popular belief, agencies, organizations that are there to help you process, don't force you to go and report. And it's not to end your marriage. It is for you to decide or to end your relationship. It is for you to decide and process and feel safe in your sexuality, in your body and in your relationship. So consider reaching out if you feel that, uh, you know, you have experienced this violence, consider reaching out to maybe your local rape crisis hotline just for emotional support or information on medical care and counseling. You may or may not choose to report. That choice is always 100% up to you. No one will uh, make you think otherwise. Uh, you can request medical care. You can also request a rape kiss after a sexual assault and do not have to involve the police because that is also the culture piece of it. You don't want to involve the police and that is okay. Just ask your local advocates for guidance and support. 
I intentionally asked you this question because many people they think that if I call an agency, then the incident is automatically reported to police. So they should know. People should know that if they are calling any agency to find out their options and rights, or just to vent out. it is confidential for example whoever is calling maitri we keep all the calls confidential and we provide information and support that the callers need so uh, thank you sara for saying so beautifully that it's not that if you are calling an agency that doesn't mean that automatically it will be reported to police it's up to you so if you think that i need to call police it's up to you if you think no i right now i need to call an agency and find out my options that's up to you and no matter what you think all agencies will support you whoever working with rape crisis or you know domestic violence or intimate partner violence or sexual violence they will support you we are here to support you अगर आप या कोई और जिसे आप जानते हैं जो घरेलू और डोमेस्टिक वायलेंस से गुजर रहे हैं कृपया मैत्री से संपर्क करें मैत्री की सेवाएं बिल्कुल मुफ्त और विश्वसनीय हैं। हमारी सेवाएं हिंदी पंजाबी मराठी गुजराती और अन्य दक्षिण एशियाई भाषाओं में उपलब्ध हैं। यू कैन कॉल अस मंडे टू फ्राइडे नाइन टू थ्री पी एम ऑन वन एट 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 सिक्स टू फोर एट सेवन फोर और आफ्टर आवर्स लीव वॉइस मेल इन योर लैंग्वेज यू कैन ऑल्सो ई मेल अस एट मैत्री another thing i was thinking that you know whether it is domestic violence or sexual assault where mostly women are victims um, i'm not saying that men cannot be victims so we get calls from males too but statistics wise we see that mostly um, women are victim and all the times girls are told that don't wear revealing clothes don't go out in the night um, and don't do this don't do that to avoid sexual harassment and abuse but when the abuse is happening inside the closed doors perpetrated by your own partner then what even if someone shares their pain with their friends and family members many times they are shushed they are, you know they are told that oh this is your personal matter how can i intervene or are you sure you are not making things up or as a wife it is your duty to please your partner something like that in domestic violence cases we always see that that is happening that victim blaming did you do something to provoke that abuse or maybe your partner is so overwhelmed with work and now a work pressure that's why your partner slapped you or pushed you many times uh, we see victim are blamed and you know no many people they are not holding perpetrators accountable so why is that and what can we do about it oh my goodness this topic we can talk about this for years right and victim blaming is absolutely such a common response to survivors and it has many many roots shame stigma ignorance sexism prejudice upholding male patriarchy tying <laughs> tying your family's honor to the vagina and which has nothing to do with your family honor to begin with all cultures and i know we talk mostly about south asian but take any culture all have elements of victim blaming when it comes to sexual violence and all cultures also have a way of standing up to it right so what you said like we we always do this like, 
doesn't matter. Sexual violence, just like domestic violence, just like other forms of gender-based violence, finds its way in power. This is a litmus test I always ask folks to do. I mean, if I am very frustrated, I could also be frustrated at work or home or wherever. Do I hit? Do Mm -hmm. I abuse? My point is like that is power because you can abuse your child, because you can abuse who you perceive to be the weaker partner in the relationship. Same thing with violence. That is your sexual violence. That is your way of exerting control. We can address victim blaming in our community definitely through dialogue like what we are having right now so that people can talk through education, through outreach, through letting survivors know that sexual violence is never their fault. And that is something we have to have this conversation with our community members, that there is never a justification for sexual violence. Doesn't matter if you were drunk. Doesn't matter if you were frustrated. There is no excuse for sexual violence. And I say that when people get raped, whether in a relationship or outside, or and by by rape, I mean not having sex with a minor. I mean, people have languages for all sorts of things, but the basic end is rape, whether in a relationship or out. doesn't matter if you're in a bikini or a burqa. It does mm-hmm. not matter if you are drunk or the person was drunk. I mean, what does a six-month-old baby know, right? Mm-hmm. How did they tempt somebody? So it's definitely a worldview that we have to change. And as a community, we have to say there is no justification for sexual violence. I think also we have to uh, focus on the stereotyped patriarchal idea of women and sex. Like women cannot say yes to sex. Uh, So if they say yes, they are perceived as slugs. They have to say no. It is assumed that even if they are saying no, that means they are saying yes. And such stereotyped idea can mislead uh, men to, into believing that they should ignore a women's uh, protest or no. And we hugely miss the concept of consent. And, and I think we have to do a lot of work in prevention field just to raise awareness, just to have the conversation that what is consent. Legally, for example, marital rape wasn't a crime in here in this country in every state until 1993 and today many states still have marital rape loopholes in certain sexual assault laws and such change must come from all levels like judiciary level community level institutional level individual level family level then probably one day we we will see something uh, change You know, one of the things that you cannot see properly right now, but if I turn around, you will see my face, both sides, half of my face, actually from my eye down to my chin is artificial. I've had 10 multiple jaw surgeries and I don't feel my face. I've had ribs, bones grafted, thrown out. I've had different metals put in. In the process, I've lost all my nerves. I only have the ability to blink a little bit and move my mouth, but that will go in the next surgery. This is because a man was so enraged. All he could do was punch me and kick me in my face to make himself feel like a man. I would hear other elders or women would say, oh, it'll get better when you have children. Oh, it'll get better when you have a son. 
I had a girl. It got worse. I had a boy. It got worse. I had another girl. Another boy. It never got better. I thought I could use my kids to buy time that he wouldn't abuse me at night because most of my abuse happened at night. And if I was busy feeding or changing or you know, busy with the children, maybe he'll fall asleep. But you know what happened is as the children grew, he started to use the children against me. And he began to brainwash them and say things like, do you want a new mommy? This mommy is nice, isn't she? She disciplined you. She was mean to you. So the children reluctantly would say yes. So he would say, what should we do to her? Should we just kill her? Who wants to light the fire first? And he would get the children so wired into thinking that if we burnt her, he'll get them a new mummy who will be so nice and give them so much love and that I was the evil one. So the children slowly began to turn on me because they found him, the loving one, the powerful one, the decision maker, and they saw how helpless I was and how powerful he was. I was a woman who was sexually abused. I was a woman who my husband wanted to traffic me so that he could make money. He, for the first time I'm saying it on your program, he said to me, here's the list of what you do and how much you ask, how much you charge for his services. This was a man, a husband trafficking his wife, a mother of his four children. I am telling women, you may not have any physical injuries. A lot of it is hidden, but those are injuries. Those are abuse. Abuse doesn't have to be that you're black and blue and you're broken to prove it. Women wake up. Abuse is words spoken over you to make you think that you are the one who's going psycho. When you don't want sex, that it's forced on you. And you are too ashamed to report it or talk about it or take action. But today, let's all stand together and say, I am a victim of sexual abuse. I'm a victim of sexual torture, actually, where my husband would strip me, tie me, my hands, my feet would be tied. He would sodomize me. He would urinate on me. I'm sorry to be so explicit on this program, but I want women to know that so many of our sisters have died suffering this and could not say a word. And if people hear my story and cringe, but if I was to get you one of those dead women and ask you their final moments, they would tell you, horrific, that they begged, they thought of their loved ones as they took their last breath. And I am here with an artificial job, making changes, empowering women, telling the abusers, whether it be female or male, it's not okay and there's consequences. And I'm telling those silent ones that are listening and not doing anything, that your silence is enabling them. It's time we all stood up for one another. What do you think? How can all of us take part in prevention effort individually as well as as a member of our community? You know, I thought it was really interesting when you brought this marital rape clause up, right? We are in California. We are supposed to be a liberal state. You know that California is still one of those states where they have a different law 
for marital rape as opposed to non-marital rape and uh, a person who commits marital rape does not have to register as a sex offender and we're talking 2021 but how can each one of us take steps to stop sexual violence and to support survivors so each one of us have to know have loved ones who are survivors and i think oftentimes we don't know about it i think about myself when i was growing up it was always told to me this doesn't happen in our family and when when i was working at metri we learned that about a lot of things every community said that this whatever that this may be doesn't mm-hmm. happen in that particular community mm-hmm. yes but the reality of it is it happens in every community every class every religion every strata every gender uh, orientation right especially if it's this one in four that gets raped we have to have known someone when i went away to college and i was in the dorm you know that's when you have a different relationship with people than what you have when you are a day scholar and suddenly i met all these girls who all knew and i'm sure even you do know of this one uncle for and i'm using the uncle of the term uncle in quotes who was a creepy uncle right yes and we all know of people like that and yet we push our kids to go give a hug to go give a kiss to go do this to go do that to be quiet, to be quiet to be respectful media justifies it your no means yes which is not true right so when i'm saying to each one of us can take individual steps it all starts within can we all say can you and i at least promise that we will not raise our sons that way we both i know we both have sons right why is it that boys will be boys when they are four when they are six and the puller girl's hair it said oh that's because he likes you then he shoves her and that is okay and then when they get older then suddenly it becomes rape who stole the boy to act any different the message the males or whoever the dominant partner are getting are that this is accepted behavior so we all have loved ones who are survivors so the more we speak out against sexual violence and the more we say no this is wrong behavior consent whether you are teaching for things or anti bullying i'm talking about in this country now because we are here and or against racism the same way we have to teach about sex and teach about what consent is and why it is important and why, like my body my place like don't touch and don't accept it with someone else and the more our loved ones will trust us as safe people for disclosure and help seeking the more they will come out and that way we can take steps to support survivors and stop sexual violence by educating ourselves by responding to survivors with compassion not necessarily through a systemic way and we can build our skills for both preventing and intervening in sexual violence and what you touched i i really think that when we are communicating with our children we first of all we need to show them that we are a good role model like what we believe in what we really we are preaching we are really practicing it so that is one thing and another thing is i believe that we need to have an open communication with our children that what is wrong and what is right and if they know that from the very beginning maybe they will understand when they are old enough to understand also you know sometimes the compassion the empathy we also need to introduce these 
with our children that you know if someone is having some pain and so so that you can be supportive to that person if your friends are going through some trauma you can be their support not to judge them or not to ridicule them and because in in middle school high school ultimately they're kids they don't know what is right and what is wrong unless we adult teach them or share with them actually if you notice kids are born so sweet and gentle and generous and giving yes they fight all this bullying is learned behavior from adults hmm. so i think they we take away unfortunately the compassion by telling them telling boy like subscribing these gender roles be quiet to girls should sit a certain way dress in pink boys should not cry like we are the ones who uh, who prescribe these gender roles and behaviors and then the rest they get from media and other folks i think it is basically kids they are very uh, gentle so till we till with them <laughs> yes you are absolutely true absolutely right i'm hoping that all who are listening all people who are listening our show today they will see if they have any bias if they are doing the right thing and they will internalize that their their responsibility to be a good role model and to have open uh, have an open communication with their children to find out what they are thinking and so, and what you pointed out sara that's also very true that many times if a child is complaining that i don't want to go to that person but we as parents sometimes we tell them why not they are our good friends so go and hug that person or so we may not sometimes understand that maybe the child is trying to say something uh, and we have to pay attention we have to support our children when they are trying to say something that if they are not happy about something or if they are feeling some uh, uncomfortable experience kids have great intuition and unfortunately we take away their intuition whether it is because of food whether it is with regards to their own bodies their boundaries we culturally step in and then it's like oh you're very western i mean that child sexual abuse is a whole another gamut and they are wonderful people i am not equipped to talk about them but basic my body my consent for anybody children regardless of what gender uh, they are is so important and which then helps stop violence later on yeah so we have discussed that so far we are trying uh, sending out a message to our community that how important prevention is but let's talk about that if someone is already going through some trauma or if someone is already abused and they want to find any resources so can you share a couple of resources that can provide free and confidential help to survivors of sexual violence and abuse absolutely so then well any rape crisis center right or you can always go to rainn.org which is i think it's rape and incest rainn.org or you can also go here in the bay you can go to asian women shelter um you already in santa clara county have the y nationally i really like the work personally of this organization called heart women and girls they do a lot of work what i like about their work is that they do a lot of work with youth 
And they do a lot of work around education and prevention rather than intervention. I'm sure they do intervention as well. And then there's always the National Organization of Asian and Pacific Islanders Ending Sexual Violence, NEPISEV. That is another agency that can help. Yeah, and uh, listeners who are listening now, and if it is too confusing for you to uh, remember all those names, please call Maitri Helpline. It's 1-888-862-4874 or 1-888-8MAITRI, M-A-I-T-R-I. You can call us and you can tell us your location and we can provide you your local agency. And you don't have to even share your name and any identification, any identity. You just call us and just tell us what you need, what kind of information you need, and we will provide that. I just want to add that it is upon each one of us to stop violence. And I would just say, like, treat other people the way that you wish that you would be treated, right? And violence has should not have any space in our society now. So please, each one of you stand up for someone else in your life. Thank you so much, Sarah, for taking time from your busy schedule and coming to our show. I really enjoyed our conversation today and I really hope our listeners will continue this much-needed discussion with their friends and families. It's, it will not end here. And we will do more shows on this topic. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Please keep listening to our show and find all our episodes on SoundCloud, Google, Apple, Spotify, and other podcast apps. Please search Between Friends Conversations with Matthew. Please inform your friends and families about this podcast where we present meaningful discussions on important community issues that matter to our community and that, that impact partner relationships and family dynamics. Our guests always share uh, new perspectives, uh, important information and resources in preventing gender-based violence, domestic violence and abuse. That's all for today. We will soon return with another robust discussion. Till then, stay safe and stay happy. Thank you. This show is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice. Always consult an attorney for legal advice. Views expressed by guests of the radio show are individual opinions and not endorsed by Maitri. Starting this May, Maitri is hosting a curated speaker series where inspiring women will speak candidly about their successes, their careers, their life as immigrants, and much more. Attend these free and live webinars to listen to and engage in conversations with the speakers on topics related to individual financial security and success in careers. These workshops will be hosted first Saturdays of every month starting May till October from 3.30 to 4.30 p.m. For registration, email eep at maitri.org. See you there. अगर आप या कोई और जिसे आप जानते हैं जो घरेलू और डोमेस्टिक वायलेंस से गुजर रहे हैं कृपया मैत्री से संपर्क करें मैत्री की सेवाएं बिल्कुल मुफ्त और विश्वासनीय हैं हमारी सेवाएं हिंदी पंजाबी मराठी गुजराती और अन्य दक्षिण एशियाई भाषाओं में उपलब्ध हैं यू कैन कॉल अस मंडे टू फ्राइडे 9 टू 3 पीएम ऑन 188862484 और आफ्टर आवर्स लीव